Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. If you'd like to contact us, contact us at info at CheyenneVineyard.com. You can also find out more information about the Cheyenne Vineyard Church at CheyenneVineyard.com. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. I would like to uh, give a little bit of recognition here this morning. Um, there are several members of, of my family here today, and one in particular, a, a 90-year-old retired pastor who, who preached God's truth for probably longer than I've been alive. But I would like to honor uh, Grady and Evelyn and Amy and Judith and Logan. Those are brothers and sisters of, of Marty's. I've been carrying this book around for a long time. Sometimes just looking at it puts me in my place. And it's a book by Andrew Murray called Humility. And so anyway, I, uh, I had the, the pleasure, and it was a pleasure of sitting tucked away in my office all day yesterday, except for when we were evacuated for a smell of burning something here. We had a wedding reception here. So everybody had to leave and come back in. I think it was something they'll remember the rest of their lives. <laughs> and anyway, of course, as God does, he changed my direction during the day yesterday. The, the good news was I had all day to deal with it uh, by myself with the Lord. And so I just want to... Uh, Philippians 2.8 says, He humbled himself and became obedient to death. Well, I pray today that myself would die, that ourselves would die, and that would, we would be obedient to the death that brings resurrection. So that we hear the truth of God today, that I speak the truth of God, and that we all hear it and, and begin to live it. Uh, this is week two. Pastor Jay and Joy are enjoying themselves in the Black Hills of South Dakota, but I would ask you to continue to pray for the leadership of the church, that God would give us new downloads, that He would tell us what is next in store for, for almost the next seven years of the Cheyenne Vineyard. It's amazing that we've almost been in existence for seven years, uh, and God has done incredible things, uh, but He has bigger, better, faster, stronger things in store. So please... Uh, put Jay and Joy in your prayers that they're getting recharged and enjoying the mountains of the Black Hills. Pastor Jay's been talking for several weeks about us being a people of the presence, the presence of the Lord, the presence of God. And how do we get to a place where that is constant, where that is 24 hours a day and seven days a week? And some of you might think that that's impossible. Well, according to our flesh, it is impossible. But I am living proof, and I know there are people here who are living proof of how we can take minutes of the day back, minutes of the day that the world has taken, minutes in the day, possibly even hours that the world has taken from us, that we can take them back for the glory of God, and people can see that we are people of the presence of the Lord. 
Last week, I spoke about the urgency, the times that we're in. The urgency is all around us. If you read this book, you know exactly what is going to happen. You know exactly what is happening and the excitement that can be related to that. There is no despair. There is no worry. There is no darkness. And I praise God for that, that when we become his children, we have nothing to worry about. But we have only to worry about stepping into the things he asks us to step into. Today I'm stepping into something I hate, and that is preaching. So we'll we'll give it our best shot here. Lord, speak. Urgency. We hear the words throughout the word, words like, now, go, behold, behold. I am here, repent. You can list thousands upon thousands of words that characterize the urgency of the time we're living in. And then I talked about the seven characteristics of true Christ followers. We accept suffering. As Christ followers, we know there is going to be suffering along the way. We accept it, but we do not let it define us. Secondly, we accept the inevitability of death. Praise God we're going to die on this earth. Praise God, it's our bodies are going to go bye-bye and we're going to be restored in perfect new bodies. That's what we're focusing on right now, is to realize that right now we are living our eternal purpose. God gave us an eternal purpose to live on this earth, and when we are glorified, made new, we will be glorifying Him in a bigger, better, more perfect manner. But right now is the practice of that. The stepping into that. We need to do everything we can to make the bride spotless and new and ready for the groom. We are the bride. And if we hold off on that, it's just going to take longer. I don't want it to take longer. And I know a lot of you don't want it to take longer for Jesus to return. We should have daily appointments with God. Not just haphazard, oh God, I need you now. But God, this is the time I relish every day. The time I know we're going to get together. The time I know you're going to fall upon me. And the time I know you're going to download incredible things into me. And in those times, those appointments with, with God, we have to make sure that we listen more than we talk. We all like to get before God and say, God, I have a 10-page list today. I hope you're ready because I need you. We need to learn to just sit and listen. Some of the most incredible moments I've had with God were moments where I never spoke a word. We must limit our daily distractions between us and God. There is a world happening out there. We have jobs. We have families. We have things happening. Those are going to come into play, but we need to limit how those things distract us from always looking to our Heavenly Father. We need to submit discernment to others. And I say this, we need to do it in love. There's another verse on humility that says, 
Christ Jesus came to this world to save sinners, of which I am the worst. And I tell you, I am the worst. And we must offer God our complete, unhesitating obedience. We must say, yes, God, I'll do whatever you want me to. I'm going to give you a quote right now. This quote is is from a brother, Lawrence, where he says, Let us think often that our only business in this life is to please God, that perhaps all besides is but folly and vanity. And then we also talked about how some folks like George Whitfield and Leonard Ravenhill and even some more uh, modern-day teachers and pastors have said, You know what, folks? We have, we have lost, we have forgotten how to weep for those who are lost. Somebody asked George Whitfield, why do you weep when you preach? And he said, because you won't do it. We can't forget that there are people who are lost. We have it made. We have the Lord. We are, we are saved through the, through the glory and the grace and the mercy and the salvation of Jesus Christ. But there are people out there who need that. I'd like you to go to Psalms 121. The, the good thing about the, this passage is it's short. I like short things. <laughs> I are a short thing. <laughs> But it's powerful, too. And while you may not think about God's presence at the time that you're reading it, I guarantee you that it says everything about God's presence. Starting in verse 1, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and evermore. Now, at the beginning of this verse, there, there are some speculations out there and people who've had commentary as to who exactly is speaking. And I'm quite sure in, in absorbing what I've absorbed that no matter who they're talking about, it could be the Israelites and was the Israelites as they were traveling through the, the desert, through Babylon, through whatever hardships they were going through. And they weren't talking about lifting their eyes up to God in that first verse. They were talking about lifting their eyes up to the city of Jerusalem, which they could see, which would give them hope. In essence, Jesus Christ, which would keep them marching through the struggles and the trials that they were having at the time. It was their, it was their inspiration, not their location. And, and I got to thinking about that first verse. I, from where does my help come from? I lift my eyes up. You know, we're taught as kids that we always say, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. That little red choo-choo train engine is always put in our minds. Just keep thinking, I, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. That's all wrong. 
We should have all been taught, through God I can, through God I can, through God I can. I can focus on Jerusalem. I can see it there, and I'm going to keep doing whatever it takes to get there. Verse 2, then we get to lifting our eyes to our Lord who made heaven and earth. He knows the names of every star. He knows the names of, and the location and the number of every hair on our heads. He knows how many grains of sand are in the ocean. You name it, he knows it. I stumbled upon the facts of a bumblebee while I was contemplating all of this. Our God does incredible things. He's created incredible things. He knows everything. And I got to reading about how scientists have stated over and over and over and over again how a bumblebee should not be able to fly. A big pudgy body, little teeny wings. There is no scientific way that that creature should be able to fly. And what I like about that is that's the way God is with us. There is no scientific reason I should be able to do the things I do. There is no scientific explanation, really, of how infinite and minute all of the parts of our bodies come together to allow us to do the things that we do. He will not let your foot be moved. When we are in His presence, we will not step in the wrong kind of stuff. Now, I'm a chicken farmer. I know stuff. And if I become a goat farmer, I'm going to know bigger stuff. And when I am focused on the presence of God, He will let me stay out of the stuff. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. That speaks of our Lord. It also speaks about Jacob, who was also Israel. Jacob was kind of a trickster, wasn't he? He was a man who did naughty things, bad things, tricking people, stealing things from others. But you know what? God watched over Jacob, and he kept him on the right path so that when Jacob looked to him in all his glory and his presence, he never stepped off the right, the right path. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. I read this story about the Lord being our keeper. This man was caught out in a severe winter storm. He had to get back home. The temperatures were dropping drastically. It was, it was just blizzard out. He couldn't see. He slowly made his way, but he had to cross a lake. And he got to the lake. It had already been winter for a while, but this man did not know whether he could trust that ice or not to walk across the lake. So slowly he got down on his hands and knees and tap, 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 foot by foot. He crawled across the frozen lake, not knowing whether the ice would hold him enough to stand up and walk. By the time he reached the end of the lake, his body was freezing. He was blue. He was not going to make it much longer. And he heard a roar behind him. He heard a roar and he turned to look and there was a team of Clydesdales and a wagon charging across that frozen lake. And they passed him. 
Isn't that how we are too much of the time? Well, God, I don't really want to step into your full presence, so I'm going to tap, tap, tap. Tap, tap, tap. Tap, tap, tap. Well, praise God, I've seen people, I've witnessed people who take that team of Clydesdales and take it across the lake. Those things, seeing them, witnessing them, experiencing them, those help me. Those help me to step, to step stronger. And then it talks about the Lord being a shade on your right hand. Most people are right-handed. Now, I'm not trying to disparage those of you who are left-handed. I'm sure that God shades your left hand, too, if you're left-handed. But that was, that was talking about the, the arm that they held their swords with in battle. And if you're going to hold your sword out in battle, God's telling you, you know what? I have your right side covered. Don't worry about your right side. I have it. You just worry about taking the battle to the enemy, and everything will be okay. Verse 6, the sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The sun by day is heat, being tired. In a lot of our world, it's drought. It's being dry, thirsty. And then the moon by night, yes, he'll take care of us at night too. But the moon represents the enemy fiddling with our minds. What night of the year is it that in emergency rooms rue the most? Halloween. Or full moon? Full moon. The moon has always messed with our minds. And God's saying, that's okay. Don't worry about it. I got it covered. Verse 7, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. And that is the truth. Bottom line, if we want to live in his presence, he will take care of everything. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. But we need to want to be in his presence. I'm going to give you some homework. I want you to read Psalms 139 this week. Because there is some good stuff, and it's going to help you to remind yourself to want to seek out the presence of God. Here in just a minute, we're going to talk about practical ways of seeking Him out. But I just want to read a couple things from Psalm 139. God, investigate my life. Get all the facts firsthand. I'm an open book to you. Exactly, exactly what Michelle said. God knows everything. There are no surprises to Him. Is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit? To be out of your sight? If I climb the sky, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. It's good to know that God sees us no matter where we are. Oh, yes, you shape me first inside than out. You formed me in my, my mother's womb. I thank you, high God. You're breathtaking. And then those verses end up 23 and 24 saying, investigate my life, O God. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong. Then guide me on the road to eternal life. Approximately five years ago,
God kind of hit me upside the head, and he said, you know, uh, you've been sliding by most of your life, Randy. You've been telling people you're a Christ follower, but you haven't been living that way. And so about five years ago, I started, I had a journal that I wrote all this in, and the journal disappeared. But I, I think we started a seven-day fast. I can't remember if it was either seven-day or ten-day fast. And I was just saying, God, I really, I really need to know what you want for the rest of my life. And this fast was to be only water and juice. And so I hit with only a day left in that fast, and I was physically, physically, I probably lost about 12 pounds that week. And mentally, I was just, God, I want to know what you have for me. And at 3 o'clock that, the morning of the last day of the fast, I heard some noise. Some, I'm a light sleeper, so I get up a lot in the middle of the night anyway. But I heard something in the living room or on the deck. So I got up and kind of staggered out into the living room. And you know how you're getting up, you, you kind of can't see, and you, you, you just are blurry. You, so I, I thought, boy, I can't see it. Everything's bright. I need to get my eyes focused. I rubbed my eyes. Nothing changed. It was bright. I could not see. And instantly I realized this was God coming to me. I could not see. I went to my knees and I started crying. And I just thought, God, you you came to me. And in the voice that I've learned to hear him say inside of me, he said, Randy, You're not to ever be the same man that you were. And that changed my life that night. Because I was a bad person. I manipulated people. I, you know, I drank my life away. I did mean things. I tried to make everything come out for my own good. But that night he let me know that I was no longer the same person that I had been. Then about two years ago, after we'd moved here, Pastor Jay did a teaching, and in it he referenced a brother Lawrence, who who was a man who had joined a monastery, and he had put some notes together, actually after he passed away, that became to be known uh, the practice of the presence of God. And Pastor Jay was telling about how Brother Lawrence said, you know, I hate working in the kitchen, but that's the job they gave me at the monastery, working in the kitchen. And so what I'm going to do, as much as I can, every, every moment of every hour, I'm going to glorify God in that. And if it's just taking five minutes of the first hour and going to God and saying, God, to you be the glory. I love chopping up potatoes. I'm going to do that. And so he made it a point of taking that step out. And I went away from that teaching. I worked at the Arts Council at that time a state agency, and I got to thinking, you know, that's what I need to do. I just need to start pushing, pushing into the presence of the Lord. So I would usually be the second or third one there at the office uh, down on Capitol Avenue. It was pretty easy. First thing in the morning, I would just drop to my knees in my office, and I shared an office with other people. So sometimes uh, while I was on my knees, other people would come in. And slowly things started changing in that office. I tried to bring the joy of the Lord in everything I did there. 
Uh, whenever there was backbiting and backtalking and gossip, if someone would come to me, I'd just say, no. Why, you know, why do you go take it to them? Get this taken care of between them. To a point where after a while I would hear them say, well, what is Randy thinking? Oh, you don't want to ask him. <laughs> but I started taking breaks twice a day. And I just told them, you know, everybody takes a break here. So my break is going to be going out into the world to look for someone who I can give hope or healing to. And so that's what I'm going to do. And so there were people who actually, I learned to walk around the Capitol building, praising the Lord with my hands in the air, just saying, change the government, God. Bring people who love you into these positions because it makes all the difference in the world. And slowly things changed in the, in the Arts Council. People would bring people to me to pray for them. There were times I remember praying for protection for one of my colleagues as they went on a ski trip. She came back in Monday morning sobbing. You will not believe this. We had a wreck on the way home. And my whole family was miraculously okay. And the only thing I kept hearing was you praying for protection for my family. That teaching was radical in my life. I wanted to be like Brother Lawrence. I started setting my alarm so that even at my desk, I would just be reminded that if I'm not doing something important, I can go to God that time. And the more and more I set that alarm, oh, it's time to go to God, God. Oh, it's time to go to God. The more I did that, the more I did not have to do that. I did not have to set the alarm. It became second nature, and more minutes were given to God. In staff meetings, when someone talked about being healed or being better, I would praise God for everybody to hear. Praise God. And so then when somebody became sick in somebody's family, they would come to me and say, would you pray for this? Or they would bring the person into my office. After I left the Arts Council, and this is nothing on me, but it is something on the presence of God. One of my colleagues' fathers passed away. One of my colleagues' brothers passed away. Two of the people in the Arts Council were hit with incredible, harsh forms of cancer. My supervisor just recently retired, and she just said, I can't take it. I couldn't take it anymore. Brother Lawrence said, do not be discouraged by the resistance you will encounter from your human nature. And I say from other humans, too. You must go against your human inclinations. Often in the beginning, you will think that you are wasting time. But you must go on. Be determined and persevere in it until death, despite all the difficulties. So my life changed radically. And little did I know it would change even more radically. I would become a pastor. Goodness. 
And my wife would become a pastor's wife, which is kind of a joke between us. No offense, Dad. But Marty said many times that she would never marry a pastor. God got her through the back door. He got both of us through the back door. So this is my life now. Psalms 5, 1 through 3. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God. For you, for to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. I begin every day of my life now between 4 o'clock a.m., and 5, 5.30 a.m., and I do it in my office where I can see the sun rise above the hill. And the first thing I tell God every morning is, thank you, God, for this day. It may not be all great in the end. It may not all be easy in the end. But, God, I thank you for this day. I pray for protection, for blessing, for God's work to be seen and known in my family. I have a book by Francis McNutt, and it's called Healing and Deliverance. And one of the things Francis McNutt uh, says in that was that he realized that he needed to speak declarations of protection over his family every day. And when he didn't do it on a day, all hell would break loose, so to speak. And so I speak declarations and prayers of protection over my family, the land around my house, the water, the air, the chickens, and yes, the cat. <laughs> and then the next thing I come to is strengthening my body. 1 Corinthians 10.31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. I recommend a book for all of you called Nourishing Traditions. Um, we began a group study of this book six, seven months ago, and it is a book uh, that explains the data, the teachings of a doctor by the name of Weston Price, and it's years and years and years and years and years of research of research of other MDs, of research of other nutritionists that comes together giving you recipes on how to prepare natural healthy food and how that food affects the certain areas of your life, your body. So we started that and it was, it's been seven incredible months of learning, of revelation, of wisdom. So that's my only commercial today, Nourishing Traditions. It's an invaluable book in our family, uh, and, and believe it or not, all natural, all healthy food is good. Take this from a guy who for 30 years of his life, all the years I was single, I ate fast food two or three times a day. So I thank you, Lord, I'm still standing, still alive, and getting healthier every day. So I strengthen my body, healthy food, fresh goat's milk, some natural supplements that are proven to take care of my health and keep me strong because we keep up a pretty, pretty fast pace here. And then I get ready to leave home. I'm sad to say God did not give me this a long time ago. But just in the last six, eight, ten months, year, 
God told me I needed to bless each and every member of my family one-on-one before I leave the house. So I hold each and every one of them. And I just thank God for them, and I say, God, bless them. Protect them. Let them grow, but not so much. For you know, you know my daughters, they're weeds, and they're going to far outshoot my wife and I soon, but... And then I hold Marty, and I just say, God, bless her. I thank you for her. Keep them safe, and most of all, show them how to glorify you in everything they do today. And he does. He does. They teach me more about that every day than I could ever learn. And I go home, I get in my car, and I start driving in. And there is just so much everywhere to praise God about. I either blast the Christian music or teachings that I can trust, and I see the rolling hills, I see the blue sky, the rain, the snow. God, thank you for all of this. It all has a purpose, and it is, it is all beautiful and glorious. I get to the building here, and I get out, I shut the door, and I just look at the building, and I say, God, thank you. Thank you for this building. Thank you for what you're going to do here today. And God, I ask you to bring the hurting here so that we can love on them. For those of you who do not know, this building is a miracle on how it came to be the the Cheyenne Vineyard. Gordon Campbell, the man who owns the building, has been far more generous than anybody could ever, ever pray. And right now, I would tell you that, that Gordon is about to leave us. Gordon has been very sick. He's sleeping. He's had a reoccurrence of pancreatic cancer. Now he's 85 or 86, so, and I think up until two or three years ago, he was still climbing up and down on top of the building. (laughs) He's not doing well, but he's doing better than he's ever been in his life, and that's because last week he asked Jay, Pastor Jay, into his bedroom, and he just said, uh, Pastor Jay, I'm tired. Do you think God would forgive me? And so he told Pastor Jay that he wanted forgiveness for how he treated his kids, how he treated his wives, how he treated the world. He wanted forgiveness for all of that, and he wanted to know that he would get to heaven. And so he accepted the Lord Jesus. And I was just talking to his son, Ron. He's asked Ron to be here and sleeping in the room next to him. Ron was talking to me yesterday. We were just talking about how his dad had changed. and, And Ron said, you know what? He's sleeping with a smile on his face. I go in to check on him, and he's smiling. Only our God can do that. So pray for Gordon, pray for Ron, pray for Crystal and and Rick, the family. It's amazing that at the same time that sometimes we are physically failing, our loved ones are physically failing, well, Riley, Gordon's dog, also has cancer and is dying. So we are doing our best here to love them every day. 
to just show them how much we love them, to thank them for all the incredible things they've given us, and to let them know that we'll see them. We'll see them again. And then the day comes. I happen to be the, the person in charge of taking requests for assistance. So we're always giving food boxes away, and, and we're always getting calls for people that need help with rent and utilities or gas money. And, and I'm here to tell you that it, that's getting worse. Those calls take up almost an entire day anymore. And so we give people encouragement. Uh, there, we can give them food. Praise God, you guys are always bringing food in. We have a great food pantry. We're loving people. And more than anything else, we always say, can you sit a moment and let me pray for you? Because I'm here to tell you that there's somebody that loves you more than you'll ever know. God loves you. And he wants to transform your life. In my, one of my walks on, on Friday, I ran across the manager of the Pioneer Hotel, which we go feed people there a lot. And he had some infection in his hand, so I got to pray for him. But it, it was healing. And he took me aside and he said, Randy, I need to tell you something. Remember little Richie that you guys used to always love on? He passed away 10 days ago. But I want you to know that to the day he passed away, he still talked about the day you all took him to work in the fields during the harvest in Fort Collins. Now, Sandra does the farmer's market thing, and for almost every year, for the last two or three years, they would take people to the fields to, to glean the potatoes and get bags of potatoes and bring them and give them to the hungry. And, and they took him a couple years ago, and... And Joe said, you'd have thought he owned the world because you took him there and, and let him, you know, he said he probably wasn't worth a, a wet paper bag, but he never forgot that. And every time we went in to feed, I always talked to Richie, and he always said he'd be back. And then I always am able now to take time to study God's Word. I'm telling you, you can just sit back and say, God, and He's there. The presence is not something that comes and goes. His presence is with us every moment of every day. We just need to learn to call on Him. We are at a crucial time where we need to do that more than ever. I asked the question last week, why is it most people resign themselves to being the two-hour-a-week Christ follower? And I'm not putting anybody in that category. I'm just saying I know people where the two hours they spend with God in a week is the two hours you're here today. I used to be that way when we can experience his, his glory and His presence any time we want it. Why are we content to sit and wait for the next encounter? Let's facilitate them. Let's be the ones that get them moving, to get them moving forward. Brother Lawrence said, 
that we should establish ourselves in a sense of God's presence by continually conversing with Him, that it was a shameful thing to quit His conversation, to think of trifles and fooleries that we should feed. Did any of you last week let God tell you about something that you needed to rip up and get out of your life? Did he? Keep asking him. I I guarantee you, he'll tell you things that you need to get out of your life. And probably the first five times he tells you, you'll say, I'm not sure I was hearing that correctly. Uh, God, did did you tell me I had to give up fantasy football? And you can laugh about that because that's what I gave up. Might not be a big thing, but I know that on the Lord's day, I don't have to worry about uh, how many touchdowns did this guy score? I can focus on God. That's the way he meant it to be. I let the world take those minutes away from me a long time ago, and I took them back. And we all have minutes, hours, maybe days that we could take back. Why aren't we pressing in? We've been told it's a race. I think we're getting close to the finish line. We've been told to press toward the finish line. To press, not to sit and wait. I found out what the most utilized word in the world at this moment on the internet is. And this answered the question as to why we're not pressing forward. The most used word on the internet currently is selfie. Says it all, doesn't it? Well, God, I thank you that you're showing some of us how to get rid of selfie. Father, I pray that you do whatever it takes to, to smack selfie upside the head if I need it. And to show me that it's about everybody else out there that does not know you. That it's about glorifying you in everything I do. Another quote of Brother Lawrence was, I cannot imagine how religious persons can live satisfied without the practice of the presence of God. For my part, I keep myself retired with Him in the depth of the center of my soul as much as I can. And while I am so with Him, I fear nothing. But the least turning from Him is insupportable. You know, every Christmas time at the Arts Council, we'd have to, well, we wouldn't have to. We'd volunteer to make 10 dozen cookies, and we'd put them together, and then we'd deliver them to the agencies who we interacted with throughout the year. And I think my next to last Christmas there, I said, you know, I just can't do this anymore. I can't, I can't pour my time and effort into sugar cookies. 
And so, you know, they started thinking about it, and we decided to take up the money we would spend on making those cookies and give it to somebody who could use it. So we gave it to the, the shelter, the women's shelter. And I think we probably gave them four or $500 that year. And things changed at Christmas time. Now, I don't know if they've gone back to the way they were, but that's something you can do is just say, you know, folks, you sit in groups of people. Let's not focus on the things that are just, yeah, going to make it hard for us to stay in shape, hard for us to stay healthy. Let's do something that will affect people. One day, I found a box of cards at my desk at the Arts Council, and they each had a different Bible verse on them. So somebody saw, experienced, or knew what I was all about, and they sat there anonymously. And so I began picking out ones that I would probably need to give people on my walks throughout the town. And the one card I had left that I've kept on my desk, I just decided to pick it up today as an example, and it is Psalms 133. It says, The kingdom of heaven is within you. Seek first the kingdom of heaven, and all things will be added to you. Jesus, behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Mm. The kingdom is in you. The kingdom is in each and every one of us. Every, every time a new governor gets elected, for those of you who work in the state offices, some of the directors walk on pins and needles because they don't know if they're going to be around the next four years directing that agency. And we experienced that in the Arts Council. And, and we had a, a, a dear man, Millward Simpson, was the director of the Parks and Cultural Resources, and I don't know that I don't know for a fact that Millward is a believer, but he truly cared about the people in every department. He truly stopped and engaged you and encouraged you and, and wanted to help you do the best that you could do. And it, in the in the time that the last governor election was taking place, I could tell at an event that he and his wife were stressed. They were they just it, it must be hard not knowing what's going to come next after the election takes place. And, and I knew my time was drawing to a near there, and I, and I just took them aside, and I just said, you know what, Millward, Amy, I just, I just know in my heart and my soul that you'll be here, that you'll be here. I don't know exactly what God has planned for you, but I know that you are good for this division, for, for the parks and cultural resources, because you care and you love. And so I'm just telling you, I want you to be encouraged by that. And if the governor lets you go, don't come looking for me. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. And they both just stood there. And I'll never forget Millward's words at my going away party. He said, this obviously was a calling. It obviously is a calling, folks. You're all called. We all are called. We all are pastors, ministers, teachers, preachers, evangelists. We all have a place in what is happening now. And it is a glorious time. The battle is being waged, but there is no worry. 
I'm going to go to Exodus just to end. I came across this, and it just struck my fancy, and I think it's something that can... Exodus 14, verse 13, And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Now, I like that. It says a lot there, but we cannot forget what the next verse says. The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Folks, we need to go forward. We know God's got it covered. He's got it taken care of. There are so many examples of that in this room. Healings, healings, restorations, newborn birth. People who are coming to be delivered of of hang-ups and addictions and, and difficulties. God's got it covered. But people, we need to move forward. God has incredible plans for each and every one of you. And as I look out, I can see some of them. And they're beyond your wildest dreams. Move forward. Don't sit back anymore. Don't sit back anymore. I am a perfect example of just saying, God, I'll do whatever you ask. And I will do whatever God asks of me. And he will do with you what you've dreamed about. Move forward. But learn to call on his presence every moment of every day. God, I need you right now. God, it's you and me. Let's take this on. Sometimes I'm overcome just listening to worship music in my office. There were times in my office at the Arts Council I would get my face on the floor. And I don't care if anybody saw me. There have been times God has told me to do some pretty crazy things. I remember a homeless man that I got to know pretty well in the last couple years. And I was talking to him one day. And I just felt like God wanted me to tell him that his mother had loved him. I told him that, and boy, did I get him. A barrage of sailor language. And then he started crying. Just weeping, and he said, my mother left me, and I always thought she didn't love me. And the fact that you, just out of the blue, said that God wanted me to know that, changes how I feel about God. We need to practice the presence of God. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you because there are plans and purposes for each and every one of us for practicing your presence. 
God, I ask that you would give each person here the strength, the strength not to sit back and wait, but the strength to hear your voice and to be totally, fully obedient to you and move forward. Father, let this day, from this day forward, let our lives never be the same. Father, we say yes. We say yes. We give it all to you. And we know that you have people waiting for that presence. We ask you to prepare them right now. That this week they will feel your presence through your people loving others in the name of Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' blessed and lovely and beautiful name. Amen. We will have our prayer teams up here. If you need anything, come. Move forward. If you need encouragement, come grab me. I'm oozing with encouragement for people. (laughs) Next week, we're going to have a treat. Ed Boyd, you know, Ed and Sarah that just got married, they do the kids' Sunday school. Ed's going to teach next week. Uh, In the fall, Ed's going to start up the youth group again. He just feels like God's stirring the pot for the youth to come and to be a part of that. So he's going to teach next week. And then uh, I'm happy and excited to say that Arnie's going to teach the following weeks as as we round out this month. Please keep Jay and Joy in your prayers. Keep all of us in your prayers. There's there's something new being birthed in the Cheyenne Vineyard. We're praying for new wineskins, for new wine. Go today. Be blessed. It's a beautiful day. You know when you get up in the morning and, and you don't see a cloud in the sky that God really loves Wyoming. So enjoy him and enjoy Wyoming today. Be blessed and dwell in his presence. Bless you.